Welcome to Infinitely Rational, where we discuss the real eccentric and complex history of mathematics. Brought to you by Mathematical Expressions. I'm your host, Natalie, the resident math nerd. And I'm Kay, your researcher of weird things. In this episode, we'll answer the following questions. Is illegal thinking a misdemeanor or a felony? What's the fastest way to recover from brain surgery? What do either of these things have to do with math? Let's find out. So last episode, we talked about Erdish being a house guest for mm-hmm. all these people. He just show up Colleagues randomly. Colleagues and mathematicians, mm-hmm. yep. So what he would do is he would show up and say, my brain is open. <laughs> and then he would work with them until they dropped or he got bored, which was usually less than a week. Then he'd move on to someone else. <laughs> right. This is my new catchphrase. From now on, I'm you- always going to ask that. She's serious. Since we started doing this research and I presented it to her, she is every time she's texted me, it started with, is your brain open? I think that's polite. <laughs> it's the only polite thing Because to her do. brain is always open. No, so. not always. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we're talking about when we say that, you know, the, the mathematicians would drop after a while, his pace was bananas. So we already know, right? He was doped up uh-huh. and he had he was taking caffeine tablets and he was this drinking is like tons he's of the coffee. Barry Bonds of math. <laughs> and he'd show up and say, my brain is open. And then he only needed three hours of sleep. So he'd work from 8 a.m. to 1.30 a.m., not p.m., not a half day, <gasps> a.m. Well, and- yeah, that's what, six and a half hours that he slept. What's he doing with between 1.30 and 8.00? Oh, he was so he would just let them have a little downtime for themselves. But he was still working. Right. And even when they would eat meals, they'd still be talking math. He would have them writing on napkins. (laughs) He would wake up his hosts when he thought they should be up and working. When he thought, not when they were ready. When he thought they well, should be Well, you know, one of, the, one of the hosts said that he was banging pots at 4.30 a.m. I remember he, he couldn't cook. Yeah, he couldn't cook. Uh-huh. So no reason to be touching the pots. Just making noise or music, depending on, I guess, which <laughs> word you're... I wonder, how did this guy react to this? So the host came down, mm-hmm. right? He's like, why banging pots guy? Probably, right. I don't know if he was married or not. His wife is like, please go deal with your friend down there. <laughs> so he walks downstairs to figure out what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And... Erdish says, let N be an integer. Oh, that's, just, the, that's the first thing I want to hear. That's the first thing, in yeah. In the morning. And so apparently the friend at 4.30 in the morning, he had to set healthy boundaries. Right. And so he was like, listen, no math mm-hmm. before showering. I think that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another friend mm-hmm. said that he'd tap on the door in the morning and he'd ask, do you exist? Oh, my gosh. Also a new catchphrase. <laughs> Do you exist? Do you exist? Right. <laughs> you know, it didn't stop once he left either. Uh-huh. Remember how we talked about he called that guy at 5 a.m.? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't just... It, that wasn't a one-off. He would do that. So he they'd work together, mm-hmm. right? And then the mathematician would eventually go, you know, I, I can't, I can't. And Or he would go, I'm bored with you and move yeah. on to someone else. But he would call that person incessantly <laughs> until... <laughs> they had finished up the work and gotten it printed. Oh my printed. gosh, do I do that when we work on stuff together? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this other thing I thought of. Look at this other thing I thought Did of. Did you finish that thing I sent you? Did you read this article? <laughs> Is it ready to print? What do you think of this? Give me feedback now. Now you have insight, listeners. 
into what it's like to make this podcast <laughs> with a mathematician. <laughs> so this isn't the only way it was a difficult house guest either. Remember, practically helpless. Babe in the woods. Right, when it came to anything <laughs> outside of math. So one of his math friends uh-huh. reported that when Erdish would come over, mm-hmm. he couldn't seem to figure out the shower, namely the faucets. <laughs> He, he couldn't figure them out. And what he'd do is he'd just leave them on. He'd leave them on. What? And the, the water would, of course, start flooding out. And they said that it got so bad that their linoleum buckled and they couldn't oh close the door gosh. anymore. So they had a, a constant memory of him. Every time they would look fondly upon their buckled mm-hmm. linoleum floor. Pretty ridiculous. And... He was notorious mm-hmm. for getting water everywhere. He he would wash his hands all the time. So often that he, you know, people, everyone noticed, uh-huh. right? Even though he wasn't a neat freak. Yeah. But he would wash his hands a lot. Maybe his skin condition. Who uh-huh. knows? But he, his, his host would put out towels mm-hmm. for him. He would never use them. <laughs> Instead, he would shake it off. Shake the water off like a dog. Like, he'd just shake it. And that would mean water would go everywhere. Everywhere. So they would walk in. And I think one host, their kid said, it was like walking into a pool after he had been in the bathroom. And remember his handshake, his limp handshake. Now to know it was wet, too, is just... It was either wet or else it was dry and cracked from washing his hands so much. So gross and disrespectful. I mean, come on now. Another friend, you think that's disrespectful. Let me one-up you. <laughs> okay. His skin condition, right? He, it was bothering him. Right. And so he, would, he had powders and lotions that he would also sure. bring in his little suitcase. <laughs> right. Because he had so much room in it. <laughs> so at some point, and I guess, I don't know if this was a carpeted floor or what, mm-hmm. but his skin condition was bothering him. So he put, he wasn't sure whether the lotion or the talc powder mm-hmm. would help. And so he put both of them on. He kind of okay. made this paste, I guess, like oh. an episode of Ross and Friends with Gross. the leather pants, right? But <laughs> but he spilt this, this lotion and talc, this paste all over the floor. And then he stained it with footprints. Oh, no. That is disgusting. <laughs> Another friend, I'm going to again one-up it. Okay. I didn't even get a chance to answer one. Oh, <laughs> You're just going to one-up yourself. No, 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 respond. <laughs> I don't have another one to one-up the paste footprints. I want to one-up myself. Okay. I'm going to win. So, you know, he would show up at people's houses. We talked about how he used the butter knife for the grapefruit and all these things, right? So couldn't cook also. Right. So another friend said that they came home, they walked into the kitchen and they see this red liquid everywhere. Oh my gosh. Like a a bloody kitchen. Right. (laughs) Right. And so they're, what is happening? So they walk up to the fridge, they open it up. And in the fridge was this carton of tomato juice on its side with a gaping hole. Like he had stabbed it with a big, guess he got thirsty doing his math, stabbed it. He took a giant knife Uh and stabbed a tomato juice carton. Uh Uh-huh. Note that he didn't use the giant knife for the grapefruit, right? Right, (laughs) Using butter knife. He used a butter knife, but not on the tomato juice carton. Because he needed it now. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe it was the closest one. I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. And it was on its side? Uh-huh. So he didn't even try and cut it at the top he just where, cl- the, where the spout nope. is. Just, uh, just the side of it. He like, just stabbed the side of it. Uh-huh. All over the kitchen. No. 
And there are tons of these stories. Again, please read the book. It's amazing. And read some of the sources that are out there about his life. But in addition to ruining floors, clearly getting tomato juice everywhere and making it look like a Dexter episode, he was super sensitive to temperature. Again, maybe had to do with the skin condition. Who knows? So... He was once staying over with another mathematician, Mm -hmm. and he was in an upstairs room because apparently they had another wandering mathematician staying (laughs) over downstairs where he normally was put. And what do we wandering mathematician? What do we know happens with heat? It It rises. rises. So his room was warm. Well, his hosts wake up and they go downstairs and they find frost on the downstairs windows because was there frost? He would go down. There were two thermostats. Uh-huh. He'd go all the way to the bottom. He would crank up oh, the, the one downstairs. He was used to. Yes, he would crank the downstairs thermostat way, way up, and it wouldn't change his room. So he kept doing it and oh doing my it. Gosh. And yeah, he, he froze out the people downstairs, <laughs> which is great. Then he got his room back. And so. <laughs> You know, it's good to bring up this point about the there was another mathematician staying in the house. Mm-hmm. Erdish, I wonder if this feeds into it. Erdish had a habit of when he would go to stay with someone, he would go out and use the payphone because there were payphones then. Mm-hmm. And he'd drop in a bunch of quarters and he'd call all the mathematicians around that house <laughs> that he knew. <laughs> And he'd say, like, I'm staying at the Johnson house. It was like the find your friends thing on iPhone. Yeah, he was like, come on over. We're all going to do some math. He wouldn't ask the hosts. (laughs) He would just invite them over. Oh, my gosh. So rude. I would be so angry if a house guest just started making a house party. You've already said. Out of my house. You've already opened your house to one person. And you already don't like people. Right, right. You know, it's not just that. I know my personality. I get mad if people change plans on me five minutes before Mm. we're going to go do a thing. So if suddenly some guy showed up and he goes, yeah, I'm actually going to invite over all these people. Oh, sorry. You didn't know. They're going to be here till one in the morning. Not cool. Not cool. No. Not cool. (laughs) Despite all of that, people loved him. Everything that we've read, they Mm -hmm. all say that they wanted him around. And that when he was there, it was some of their most exciting mathematical yeah. times. In fact, they saved up problems for him. And I loved reading that because, I don't know, it just really makes me, it's just heartwarming that they would save up all their problems looking forward to the next time he came to destroy their house. Ooh, ooh okay. Now I'm going to one-up you. Okay, one-up me. <laughs> On the heartwarming. So You are so good at that. You are winning with the heartwarming stories today. <laughs> Look, we've presented all these weird things about him, right? He was a very unique individual, for sure. Yeah. But he was also a really nice person. We know that he gave Mm -hmm. his money away, that he inspired young people to do math. But he... and, And although he called people who didn't do math trivial beings... He did form special bonds with anyone he perceived as vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So, for example, he was invited to this party. I guess that's what happens when you're a famous mathematician. And he showed up in his rumpled silk suit. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But he he was told, hey, we're going to have this party because there's all these mathematicians that want to meet you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that's what made him actually want to go to this social (laughs) gathering. We'll do math. So he shows up and they all greet him, but then he vanishes Mm -hmm. and they don't know where he is. He vanishes. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone for the whole party until the party is just wrapping up and then he shows back up. Uh Uh-huh. And it turns out that he had found out that his host, Mm -hmm. who was throwing the party, 
had a blind father who was in an upstairs room. Oh my gosh. He, he wasn't participating he in the festivities. He couldn't come down. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. And so Erdish had learned about this and he went and spent the whole party the with thing. him. Yeah. Instead of being at this party, essentially in his honor, filled with people who wanted oh, to meet him. That is I, the nicest thing. I just think that is so sweet. In addition to being sweet with people who were trivial beings, mm-hmm. he was also really, really, really nice to vulnerable mathematicians. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, he also made it his mission to keep up his colleagues' mathematical prowess. Mm-hmm. So we got to further the math, right? Right. So if they were hurt or sick, he would challenge them. <laughs> Challenge them back to health then, right? <laughs> yes. For example, he one time, he had this friend who just gone through brain surgery. So imagine you've just gone through brain surgery. And you're a mathematician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He visited him in the hospital and immediately began rapid fire asking him questions. Oh, yeah. That's that's on that's, my health yeah, recovery plan. That is. Please, if I have brain surgery, come and ask me <laughs> if there's a prime number between N and 2N. <laughs> And you'll prove it. Right? You know, he just come out of brain surgery. So and this guy was able to solve them. Oh, that's really nice. It is because and, and we say this because we sat there and just said, oh, yeah, that's on our recovery plan. But the, the thing is, even great mathematicians suffer bouts of insecurity. Mm-hmm. And so if you're sitting there thinking, I'm never going to get back to my fighting state mm-hmm. again. And Erdish, one of the best mathematicians of our time i guess comes and starts you know quizzing you and like challenging you and you're able to answer it that's really empathetic and it's just really thoughtful of him yeah and i don't think a lot of people know about this but apparently at the time a lot of his contemporaries they burnt out really early or you know that they they just kind of they They died according to and and yeah and that really bothered him so he would go and do this if whenever he felt that they were losing their edge or or they were insecure that's so nice it really is and it's not just about being a listening ear and asking how are you or Mm -hmm. just keeping time with them he challenged them he didn't treat them like they were invalids yeah he knew that the way to get them going again was was to challenge their minds and that's awesome that's so great Sure, you can enroll your children in Spanish or French, but why do that when they can learn Erdishish? Epsilon? That's me! This is the sound of extraordinary. If you want your child to travel the world, get them speaking like a Hungarian prodigy today. And Erdishish isn't just for Epsilons. How many times have you tried to motivate a colleague but lack the right words? What are you doing? It's 4.30 in the morning. My brain is open! And that's not all. With Air Dishish, you'll learn how to dismiss people effortlessly. Did you finish that paperwork? Be gone, Trivial Big! Before I recite every proof I know. Motivate and dismiss with Air Dishish. So, probably not shockingly then, it's not the odd things he did that cemented his legacy. Mm-hmm. It's these kinds of things, the really good things that made people want to be around him. We've talked about how he's inspired a lot of mathematicians. The way he would do this was kind of unique. He would encourage people not to go out there and study mathematics. Mm -hmm. He would want them to discover for themselves and publish for themselves, not for the the benefit of being published. So you can say, oh, I've I've been published. But there's the spark of curiosity that's been the thread throughout this. Right. To do something unique for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that is really interesting. Mm -hmm. He also was generous with his talent. 
because he didn't just, you know, challenge people or tell mm -hmm. them, you know, you discover it for yourself. He would help them out mm -hmm. and regardless of their age. Right. Actually, we talked about those kids, right? Yeah. And he actually wrote a, a joint paper with a Hungarian prodigy when the boy was just 14 years old. That's really impressive. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that really helped bolster his confidence, the 14-year-old. Yeah. No you know? question. Here, here's this great, well-known mathematician, and he's writing a paper with, with you, you at 14. Mm -hmm. His And from what I've read, working with him was kind of amazing. He His mathematical insight, he really was a teacher. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that was he could measure someone up and their mathematical ability and he could figure out the perfect problem for them. Mm -hmm. So he would he would meet someone and he would give them a problem that was just a little bit outside so their cool. reach. And yeah, what that did was it wasn't too easy. It made them work for it. Mm -hmm. And they came out knowing something they didn't know before. But at the same time, it, it was, you know, it was a challenge for that. It was something they that they needed to work for but it wasn't too easy it wasn't too hard because it's very easy to pose a problem that no one can solve yeah and right? in fact you're talking about that this one guy brought him a problem mm -hmm. and he says i'm trying to solve this problem this mathematician mm -hmm. and erdish tells him that's that's too hard of a problem and he didn't mean it's too hard of a problem like you can never ever solve this which would be crushing right mm -hmm. it was the problem didn't get solved for another 21 years with the whole mathematical community. Oh, after this guy brought him the problem. Right. And so it wasn't you are the worst. It was let's find something that is within. This is hard right. even for me. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. That's really impressive. Yeah. Another thing that he said, he would always urge them to at least do something. Crack it, break it a little. Then someone else can figure it out. But if you can just get a little bit of the way, someone else can take it further. Because we know, right, from earlier, the 30-page proof mm -hmm. uh, that they found, this, these two people found to this problem, it's a long-involved process. Mm -hmm. And with math, sometimes what I'm learning it from all of this research is you need to, sometimes you find one line of mm -hmm. this problem, and it's just one more step towards the solution. And it doesn't mean that you failed at all. Mm -hmm. It means you have cracked it just a little bit. Right. But someone else may need to now take that step and move on with it. And even after a proof is made, like we talked about Erdish doing the proof of the prime between n and 2n and, and cleaning it up, mm -hmm. right? Once a proof is, is made, people can always improve on it. And if you think about it, it's kind of like what happens with technology, let's say. You mm -hmm. think about the very first cell phone and how big and sure. clunky it was. And at the time, no one knew. It didn't exist. You didn't like those? How, how <laughs> big and... Uh, yeah, you never lose it, right? <laughs> Battery life was forever. Right? <laughs> but nothing existed, it. right? And then it did exist. Mm -hmm. And someone took that and they made it better and better and better and better. And that kind of is what, you know, I, I also think of with this too. I, I really like that. I like that he, he was willing to fail and mm -hmm. to work with people. And even if they didn't figure something out, I mean, that's really neat. And he ended up publishing with something like 485 co-authors. With his thousand papers. Yeah, or, yeah, which is more than anyone else. And 
so they have this, I guess it's a joke in the mathematical <laughs> world, but if you published a paper with him, you, it, they say you have in Erdish number one, because you published uh-huh. with him, that paper is a number one. And if you published someone with someone who published with him, then it's an Erdish number two. So for example, Einstein actually has an Erdish number two. And you know, people like me who have never published, they can, they're considered to have an Erdesh number of infinity. <laughs> Me <And> too. <laughs> I kind of like that. So what was it like to work with him? Other than being exhausting, yes. you mean? <laughs> so <laughs> even though he only needed three hours of sleep, he would take naps. I love naps. <laughs> His naps weren't like your naps. <laughs> I know you've described them in detail to us and set the stage in previous episodes. <laughs> but no. So for example... There's one collaborator that mm-hmm. tells the story that Erdish was napping uh-huh. and he told him, explain this proof to me, you know, before I take this nap. Mm-hmm. And so the guy begins to tell him the proof. Yeah. And Erdish starts nodding off. <laughs> and I guess it's like when you're telling a child a story, you know, there's a prime number oh, between N uh-huh. and 2N and you're trying to sneak away. But the minute he would stop or pause, Erdish would wake up. And he would say, go on. Why did you stop? Yeah, continue. continue. So they would do this on and off and on and off. But by the end of it, after he had taken his naps Mm -hmm. and the proof had been explained, when he woke up, he understood the proof. So he was doing math even Even when he was asleep. They say, though, that you have a problem, you should go sleep on it. And Mm -hmm. then the answer will come to you because your subliminal is working. I guess so. Man. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So his brain was just the way he thought. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, it worked a little too fast for the people who collaborated with him. Uh-huh. So he would be working something out with them, but sometimes his brain would be going faster than his mouth, and he'd <laughs> leave steps out. And so they would be on step one, and he would skip to step, you know, 20. You know, sometimes this happens to be in class where I'm working a problem, mm-hmm. and I know what the next step is, mm-hmm. like maybe step three. Mm-hmm. But we're just jumping to or step four, but mm-hmm. we're just jumping to step two. Mm-hmm. And I'll write something and I'm prepared to ask them what's the next step. And I've already given it to them. It's so frustrating when that happens. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes if you worked with them long enough, you knew where he was going. Mm-hmm. So you didn't need to ask him to stop. And that's kind of like us. So listeners, our husbands have accused <laughs> us of sometimes not speaking in real sentences. <laughs> Strangely, we do a podcast, but, you know, where I guess, we speak in complete sentences, right? There, there are moments where we'll start a sentence and the other person will know exactly where we're going. Exactly. And so we don't need to say it out loud. We just kind of nod and say yes and continue on with what we're saying. <laughs> I can't imagine what it sounds like to people, but I mean, disturbing enough that they <laughs> brought it to our attention. <laughs> Another funny thing that was said about Erdish is that although a friend suspected, although he knew every mathematician's phone number. Because he was dropping those quarters in the uh-huh. payphones. And also just randomly showing up. Sure. But he knew all their phone numbers. He didn't know anyone's first name. And so there was only one person, I think his name was Tom, mm-hmm. that he called by his first name, but he called him Bill. 
So, as you do as you do maybe he just didn't know his last name maybe <laughs> he's just stretching he's just this is fine so he, he liked to collaborate as we've talked about with a bunch of people all at once he sure. did this in the hospital he does three groups he always was doing this right he collaborated with a bunch of people all at once and so what he did was he would kind of be like a chess grandmaster where mm-hmm. he would have different people working on different problems and he would circle the room talking to all of them at once each one of them working on individual math problems. So he would just, he'd go from one, work a little bit, uh-huh. move on to the next yes. one, and then just keep doing that. And actually, people said that they actually appreciated that because while he was circling, they mm-hmm. would have time to process and think. And so by the time they came back, they could have a more productive conversation. That's crazy. But if he suspected someone was thinking about another collaborator's work or something else, he would tell them, no illegal thinking! <laughs> because apparently only he was allowed to work on multiple problems at the same time. Oh my gosh. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. He's do. I mean, right, we're not talking about two plus two equals four here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about some deep, deep mathematical... Mm-hmm. I mean, there are times when I'm writing a paragraph where if someone distracts me, I can't remember where I where was going, going with yeah. the paragraph. He was working on three separate kinds. Or more. Oh, my gosh. The math grandmaster. Well, I know I read at least one story where even though they would talk it out a lot of times mm-hmm. in these groups, he sometimes had really good relationships one-on-one with people and they were so on level with each other. They were kind of like us mm-hmm. where they didn't need to talk out loud, but kind of us to the umpteenth degree. <laughs> there, There's one story where a woman's talking about her her husband's friendship with Erdish uh-huh. and she remembers they were sitting in a public place. I picture them on a bench in a park. With a chess table between them. But they haven't moved any pieces. No, they're just sitting there. Yeah, just staring at each other. And, you know, they're not saying Birds anything. Birds are tweeting. The sun is shining. Hours go by. They're wearing hats. Hours go by in this silence. And then suddenly her husband says, it's not not, it's one. And then they were happy. And they celebrated Aww. about it because I guess it was the answer to whatever or maybe were, it was just prying open one part one of more their little piece. Right. And it made them both really happy. Everyone around them thought they were crazy. And they she were said happy, they probably were, you know, a little crazy. That's so, so nice. I, man, that's heartwarming. You with all the heartwarming stories. If we go the, the heartwarming route. Mm hmm. You know, it's just another example of how, despite all the craziness of having Erdish in their house and water everywhere and not being able to feed himself, his collaborators really liked him. And I know there's at least one that wrote that they'll miss him roaming the hallways at 4 a.m. asking, Are you, do you exist? (laughs) Do you open? Is your brain open? The thing that made him one of my favorite mathematicians, mm-hmm. and I think my favorite that we've done so far, one time a student brought a question to his instructor, to his professor, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, this thing, I'm trying to think about it, and can you help me with it? And mm-hmm. the instructor looked at it, and he said, wow, this is, I don't know, this is a great question. I really don't know, but you know who would know? Erdish, who had actually just, you know, recently visited and everything mm-hmm. else, and I love this because, again, we're saving up the problems, but now we're going to reach out and ask him. But he's basically the Google of math. 
I don't know. Let's ask our dish because that sets our life. I don't know. Let's Google it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but for this Matt, was a real person mm-hmm, that you could for, go to. Yeah. And so for and me, talk about it with you. Yeah. And, and so I regret my regret is that I will never know this man because he's he's so amazing from everything that we've read and everything that we've talked about. You know, he's really one of my favorites, too. You know, they they asked that party game where if you could invite anyone to dinner, you have Mm -hmm. X number of people, they could be living or dead. The Ramsey question. Who would you invite? You You know, I'd really like him to be Mm -hmm. there, even though I know he'd probably only ask about rice and run into my walls. Probably stay in your floors. Yeah, (laughs) probably stay in my floors and get. Yeah, he, he would just be a mess. But even so, I would really like him to be there. Hey, that's a good idea. Listeners, tell us who your favorite mathematician has been so far. Who would you invite to that dinner? I'm really excited to hear from you guys. And so we'll be waiting with bated breath until the next time when we dive into the story of another amazing mathematician. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Infinitely Irrational. For more fun, the research and math behind this episode, visit us on the web at www.infinitelyirrational.com. This episode was edited by Mathematical Expressions. This episode was written and narrated by Mathematical Expressions and Kay. Research for this episode was compiled by Kay. See you next time!